It's not bad. Chris, thanks so much. I love that. And uh, a lot of you don't know the history of Banjam and the offering, but I'm going to tell it to you because some of you are new. Many of you are new, actually. But we were having one of our first services. Uh, we were over at El Rancho Middle School where on the back wall was painted a giant coyote, and that was our mascot. And we had some interesting times, so I looked over at the guys and said, hey, we're going to take an offering. Uh, you guys got to like a tune for the offering, like an offertory song. They're kind of looking around like, what's that? Are you kidding me? We're, no, we don't have that. And I looked over at Chris, and he was kind of playing around with some B.B. King. And he goes, I just said, just do that. Do that for an offering. And that became kind of the tradition. So for you who come in and are expecting, like, you know, amazing grace for an offering, it it's, didn't happen today, clearly. <laughs> All right? Amen. Well, good to see you today. You know, we're going to study the Word of God. We are, um, we've had so much already that I need you to listen at about 300 words a minute, okay, so that we, we get through everything we're going to do in time. And whatever I don't finish here, I'll pick up in the second service and just keep rolling with it. But I want to tell you a story. In, uh, in 1858, there was a man by the name of John Patton, John G. Patton. He was from Scotland. He had a strong call of God on his life for missions. And he and his wife and little child, they moved all the way, if you can imagine, all the way to the New Hebrides Islands, which would be around the Solomon Islands there and that, that huge uh, island chain that is north uh, of, uh, of Australia. They moved to a little island that was actually inhabited by cannibals. But Patton felt so strongly that he needed to go there. And when he went there, he tried to do the best he could. There was another couple that came, and they shortly left. They just couldn't handle the pressure. And, and he and his wife stayed, and it wasn't long before uh, his wife and little child died of some disease. And Patton was forced to literally lay on the grave for a period of seven days to protect the grave from the cannibals who were prone to literally dig the bodies up. That's how primitive it was. It was said of him that when he came to that island, there were no Christians, and when he left, there were no pagans. He spent most of his life there, about 50 years of his life. He went back and to gather funds, to gather to try to get more leadership to come to this island that was hostile, obviously, to everything and everyone. He ended up remarrying, and he came back to that little island and continued the ministry. One night while he was there, he looked out, and their entire little hut was surrounded by the, the natives there. And he didn't know what to do. He knew that this was the time that probably they would, they would die. And he and his wife got down, and they began to pray. And they began to pray, and they didn't open their eyes. They didn't look to see if it was working. They just kept praying. And before long, they, they looked out, and they didn't hear anything, and, and they were all gone. And they just assumed that probably they lost interest or something else happened that took them away. And so about a year later, the chief of that tribe came to faith in Christ. And he said to him, you know, do you remember the night you circled my my hut, and you, and you had torches, and you were, we thought you were going to kill us, and they said we were. But when we were there, we noticed all the men with you. 
with swords. And he said, well, I, I didn't have any men with me with swords. Yes, they were, your whole hut was surrounded by men in shining clothes holding swords. And we were afraid, and we left. And that night, John G. Patton was visited by angels who protected his work. The ministry continued, and they saw that entire island come to faith in Christ, but not without great sacrifice. And I tell you that story because today we're going to talk about angels from the book of Genesis chapter 1. And I want you to get a feel for just a little glimpse into this spiritual world that God has created. It's not just about God and God's Spirit and God's Son. It's also about the millions, maybe billions of, of angelic creatures of all different kind, of all different ranks that literally minister in an invisible world that we function in and don't see. Angels are God's messengers. We're going to see in Scripture where sometimes they come and they, they speak to us, they guide us, they lead us. Sometimes Hebrews even says we're, we're entertaining an angel and we're unaware. We think it's a human. But there is this intervention in this open heaven where not only does God's Spirit work, but also where, uh, where heavenly creatures come and they minister unto us. They're also holy warriors. When you read accounts of the Six-Day War in Israel and you read some of the accounts that happened in World War II, there's the replete with references to supernatural things that happened, unexplained things that happened that pointed to God's intervention and God's, in fact, warriors coming to play. Angels guard nations and they guard individuals. I'll show you a little bit later in the book of Daniel where there are angels assigned to the nation of Israel, there are nations that are warring against warring nations in our world. You know, sometimes you look at world events and you go, how could they make that many bad decisions? Because you assume they're not that smart. Nobody could be that dumb and make those kind of bad decisions. And we forget the spiritual dimension. We forget standing behind politicians and world leaders and rulers There are demonic spirits that are guiding and twisting rationality and reason and pointing them in a direction that doesn't even make sense to the common man. And you wonder, how can they be so blind? It is because they are under the influence of demonic spirits. I want you to see that angels, when they were created, they were created prior to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 2. We talked about it last week. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and, and, and go in the archives and watch it on, uh, on our, our Vimeo channel there that's on the website. But now let's turn and look to Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Two verses that we very easily read over because they're so common to us. Almost everybody who wants to pursue God who's not a Christian starts in the book of Genesis with this bright idea. I'll just start at the beginning, read it all through, and figure it out. And then they hit uh, the book of Leviticus, and they start hitting all the genealogy records, and they go, why did I do this to myself? If that is you, then I encourage you to go to the book of John and just start reading there and not Genesis. But look at these two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is my position and contention that there is a pause of time. There's a gap of time between verse 1 and 1. 
and verse 2. It's in that verse 1, between those two verses, that we explain the creation of angels. We also explain the fall of Satan. Because when we pick up our Bibles and we start to read, we get to chapter 3 and we realize there's the serpent, there's Satan in chapter 3, and we ask ourselves, where did he come from? This gap of time that could have been millions of years, it could have been billions of years, it really doesn't matter how long it is, but it explains a lot. It also explains the geological ages that, that many times Christians contend with when they try to support a young earth. I happen to believe the earth is very old. And I do that on the basis of Scripture, not on the basis of science. God had the information before the scientists did. He always does, you know. We like to make reference to some of the scientific things in Scripture. For example, it says that God sits above the circle of the earth and he hangs the earth on nothing. Jeremiah said that 700 years before Christ, 2,700 years ago, about, what would that be, 2,300 years before scientists said, we think the earth might be round. You see, there's, the, the Bible is not a scientific book, but where it speaks of those matters, it is accurate. We go on to verse 2. It says, the earth was, and that word in the Hebrew is a word that literally means became. The earth became without form, and that word without form means a wilderness. So Scripture tells us very clearly, if you understand and can go back and read the language of a Hebrew or have tools where you can access that, it says it it became uh, without form and void, and darkness, and that was spiritual darkness, was on the face of the deep. That darkness, I believe, was the fall of Satan, where he began his destructive path and even brought wilderness upon the earth. But it says we have to understand that the Spirit of God was hovering. It was hovering over the face of the waters. And the word hovering is a word that means to, to, like a chicken would hover over an egg to birth it, protecting it, keeping it warm, getting ready for what God was going to do. Let's take our Bibles, and we're going to look a little bit deeper into the origin of angels And we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1 in verses 16 and 17. And I believe this is one passage where you need to mark in your Bible. You need to make reference to it because it will explain a lot of things about the origin of the universe, the invisible as well as the visible, and the person of Jesus Christ. Now, when when I set a verse up that way, it's for a reason. It's an important verse. So it says in Colossians chapter 1, For by him, and it's speaking of Jesus, all things were created that are on heaven and on earth. Now, let's just pause for a moment and think about that. Everything that was ever created, whether it was in heaven, the invisible world, or on earth, the visible world, was created, was created by him, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. Now, as he begins to go through this, these are ranks of spiritual forces that are invisible. He talks about thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. You see, within the angelic world, there, are, there is a rank and an organization. We'll drill into that a little bit deeper in a moment as well. And what he's doing is he's wanting you to know something about the unseen world the unseen world that you live in but don't see, but it, it's all happening all around you. 
Whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. You see, if you take a perspective of evolution, then this verse is not good news for you. Because he created all things. It doesn't say all things evolved by his hand. All things were created. If you get your, your, your theology off in the book of Genesis, you will be off the entire word of God. You will never get back on track. Because you'll begin with some presuppositions that will take you down a road that will not answer the ultimate questions, where did we come from, what went wrong, and how do we fix it? Where did we come from? Did we come from God? If we didn't, if we simply evolved, then our real problem is something happened in the evolutionary process that explains why we do what we do and why we act the way we act. But if we came from God and we understand what the Scripture says, then we understand that man has sinned, and now we know what the problem is. It's sin, and now we can go to the solution, which is redemption in Jesus Christ. Very simple. Let me take you down this road of the organization within that angelic world. And the first thing I want you to see are archangels. Now, the word arch is literally a word that comes from the Latin, means the first or the chief. We believe there are three archangels in Scripture. The first one would be Lucifer. Lucifer would later be known as Satan to us because he fell from that position within that angelic world in terms of who he was, but he retained power even though he lost his position of authority. The second would be Michael, and his name literally means who is like unto God. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and look with me or just jot the reference down, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. Daniel is praying He's fasting. He's seeking God. He's actually in a 21-day fast. But it says here in Daniel uh, chapter 10 and verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. He's talking not about a literal king. He's talking about a spiritual force behind Persia, which would be modern-day Iran. And his prayers could not come through because of this spiritual force was keeping it. Michael was dispatched to bring the answer. And then look down in verse 21. Actually, let's go to verse 20. And then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in Scripture. No one upholds me against these things except Michael, your prince. So he said, Daniel said, I'm all alone. But guess what? Good news is Michael is with me. The angel is with me. I want you to know there's some good news. You might feel all alone. You might be in a precarious situation in life, but you are not alone. Not only is God's Spirit in you, but angelic beings support you and minister unto you even when you do not know that. Let's go to the third one, and that would be Gabriel. His name means the warrior of God. Also, we find him mentioned in Daniel chapter 9. And look, uh, look with me, if you will, in verse 
21 and 22. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have come forth to give you skill to understand. So what was this angelic being doing? He He was not only protecting, but he was also bringing clarity to a situation. Now, the Bible says in James, if you lack wisdom, you can ask of God who gives freely and without reproach. But we also understand from this scripture that God can use angelic beings somehow to minister to us. And you might ask, well, will I be aware of that? Not necessarily. Daniel was in these two cases, but that doesn't necessarily mean you will be aware. You could encounter someone or God could, could bring a thought to your mind and it, was, it could have been brought to you by some spiritual creature sent by God. We just simply don't know. It hasn't been that many months ago I was sitting here and I was going through the worship and, and as I go through the worship, I always just ask God to fill me with his spirit and speak to me. And, and as I was, was sitting there, I felt like there was, like there was a, a spiritual tension in the house. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was there. And I knew it wasn't one of you. I, I knew it wasn't human. There was something more about it. And I, I sat there and I just prayed and I said, God, would you show me what's going on? And God just simply said to me, there is a battle, a spiritual battle raging on your property. And I had, and I don't have this often, but I had this vision in my mind and in my heart. I can't really explain it. This doesn't happen to me often. But I had this vision of on the corner of that loading dock out there of a warring angel holding a sword, turning in every direction, looking down through the valley. And God said, there is a battle raging, and the forces of evil will come this way, and I'm positioning my warring angel on that corner from this day forth. Now, whether that fits into your theological cup or not, the reality is God spoke to me. God clearly gave me that. And the minute I said, God, I I accept that and I receive that, it's almost as if the, the instantly all of that struggle that seemed to be going on in the spiritual world stopped, died down, and now when I come in, I always just say, God, I just pray your anointing comes on me. I pray your spirit to come upon me, God, and I want to do a little check-in with the warring angel. How are we doing? And the Spirit of God will oftentimes say, all is well. All is well. I want you to see the rebellion of Lucifer. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, remember this is an addendum to what we did last week. You need to get last week and put these two together because they do go together. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, it says this, Satan drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. What we understand from this and other scriptures that when Satan rebelled against God, what he did was he took a third of the angelic beings with him. They became known to us in scripture as demonic spirits, and they also have a rank. They retain that rank. That's based on uh, one passage among others, Isaiah chapter 12, or Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, and here's what God says to Lucifer about Lucifer. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. You see, Lucifer, before he fell, was on earth, had a throne, and said, I'm not satisfied. I will exalt myself above the stars of God. That's a reference not to the literal stars, a reference to angelic beings. I'm going to exalt myself above all, and I'm going to sit in the assembly of the north. I'm going to be God is what he was literally saying. And God literally says, no, you're not, and he's cast to the ground. Now, let me show you our our authority in the spiritual realm. When Jesus had his 12 and he's training up his 12, he's teaching them about the kingdom. How do we take and advance the kingdom of God? How do we become a part of this great movement? I mean, if you stop and think, how is it possible for 11 guys to to be responsible to bring about the gospel of Jesus Christ to us today? Do you realize that every one of you today are a direct spiritual descendant of one of those disciples? They got the message, and he said, now go tell somebody. And they went out and told somebody who told somebody who told somebody. And if it were possible, and maybe one day in heaven God will give us that insight, if it were possible, you might be able to trace your, your lineage, your family spiritual tree, back to one of the apostles. Because they got the word, and they started telling the word, and somebody got the word, and somebody got the word. And that's why we tell you, talk the word of God. Tell people about Jesus. You have no idea who might you, who you might be responsible to bring in the kingdom one day if you're faithful with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And then he, so he, he gets the 12, and then he gets 70 more. And he gets these 70 together, and these guys are fired up for God. They're wanting to go out, and they're wanting to preach. They're wanting to teach. They're wanting to do all this stuff. And here's what he says to them. And he, this is Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, and he, Jesus, said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's taking you back to Genesis chapter 1, 1 and verse 2. He's saying, I saw the fall of Satan. I want you to know he is not an issue. Then he says this to them, behold, I give you authority, and that means power and choice. You have the power from God. You also have the choice to function within the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. If it was all about just coming to church, it would bore me to death. I don't want to just come to church, hear music, and hear a sermon. I want to be a part of the movement of the kingdom of God. Amen? I want to see God work. I want to, I want to be in the middle of the, of the storm of God's coming. He said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, and this is the word ability in the Greek, of the enemy. I'm going to give you the ability to overcome the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then I love this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. It's almost as if he's saying, you know what? That just comes with the deal. But let me tell you what you ought to get excited about. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. How about that? You want to get excited about something? Jesus knows your name. He's written your name in heaven. You're safe, you're secure in his hands. Amen? I mean, isn't that good news? Well, act like it. It's good news. Amen? He knows your name. Let me show you something that miracles do. Miracles teach us, watch this, to see things differently. 
We've seen so many miracles. You know what you do? You start looking at life different. You go, I never thought about that. I never thought this could happen. I never got that perspective before. Miracles teach us to see things differently. Also, God becomes a theory without miracles. You believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. What about miracles? Well, I haven't seen any. Well, how do you know there's a God? Well, because I have his Bible. Well, that's good. Well, is he doing what he said he would do? Right? You ever bought something and it wouldn't work? I mean, we buy stuff all the time from Amazon. I love Amazon, don't you? It's like Christmas every day. Just go buy something cheap just so somebody thinks of you. Right? And you buy it and you go, well, this thing doesn't work. This is no good. I bought some, some razor heads one day, you know, and I got them. They're like cheap. I go, look, this looks like came out of Chinatown in, in New York. So, you know, I went ahead and I kept them. I thought, I'm, they don't cost that much. I don't go through the hassle, right? And that's what they banked on. So I go on Amazon and what do I do? Bam! I slammed the guy. These are cheap. These are no good. The little piece fell off of them while I got them. You know, they sent me like 15 emails. Please take and revise your, your little comments. No! You sold me cheap junk! If your Christianity isn't working any better than that, then you need to reevaluate your walk with God. If you're not seeing miracles, if you're not transforming, if you're not living in a powerful spirit of God, what is going on? What brand of Christianity is that? That's not this brand. Because here's the third thing. Works confirm the word of God. When Paul came to the Corinthians, he said, I did not come to you with eloquent words of wisdom, but I came to you in power and a demonstration of the spirit of God. If there's no spirit of God, if it's just going through religious kind of motions, why do we have it? That's not even valuable to me. Miracles are to be the norm in our life. I wish I was doing chronicling every miracle. I try to remember them, try to write them down, but I believe they're happening like on a weekly basis, maybe sometimes even more. It's interesting, we sent a, 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 a bunch of people to Jesus Culture this, uh, this weekend, and we had young adults and adults and, and students up there, and, and uh, so I, I got an, a, a call from one of our adult sponsors. I said, how's this going? And, oh, well, you won't believe it. I won't mention the name because we'll get back, and I'll, I'll give you more details. But, oh, you won't believe it because they asked, has anybody needed healing here? And, and my husband didn't raise his hand, and then all of a sudden I look over, and he's crying. So what's going on? I said, I didn't even ask for healing, and, and my neck's just been healed. I want miracles to be the norm. I want the power of God in your life to be the norm. You see, you, as a believer, have a unique place in the kingdom. You are uniquely positioned by God. God didn't save you to take you to heaven God saved you to bring heaven to earth. God saved you so you could transform the world you're in. Oh, yeah, one day a home in heaven, but that's not what it's all about. There's something wrong with a theology that works best when you die. You see, that is Islam. It's a theology of death. It works best if you die. Our religion works best, our Christianity works best when you live in the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. Amen? That's what makes it real. That's what makes it transformational. 
You have a unique place in the kingdom. Paul Bilheimer wrote a book called Destined for the Throne. I think it's one of those, you got to have this book. But listen to what he wrote. God's promises, God's promises to answer prayer cover such a broad spectrum as to constitute a veritable carte blanche bearing the authority of his own signature. Now, here's what he said. Let me distill that down. God told you that you could ask and receive, and it doesn't seem to be to have any limits. Let me give you an example. John chapter 14. I'm going to just walk you through these really quick. John 14, verses 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Does he mean it? Amen or no? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Mean it or not? Yes? Okay, John 16, 23, 24, most assuredly I say unto you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask you will receive that your joy may be made full. Believe it or not, Paul Bellheimer went on to say, all, all the prayers that God is answering, now listen to this, are from people who not only feel unworthy as you do, but who are actually unworthy. God does all his work through unworthy people who, despite a conviction of unworthlessness, are making prayer the main business of their lives anyway. Therefore, do not permit Satan to brainwash you and stymie you anymore because of your sense of no worth. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how faithful you are. It's always about Jesus. Whatever success we've had here has no, is nothing about me. It's nothing about you. It's all about Jesus. When we get out of the way, Jesus does some pretty cool stuff. Would you all agree? Just let Jesus do stuff in your life. Here's, here's some fourth, the three things I wrote down. I want you to write these down. These are, these are helpful. Number one, expect God to act. Don't beg him to act. He never responds to begging expect God to act. I just expect God to act. What's God doing? I don't know. I can't wait to see what God's up to. God, what are you up to today? How can I join you? Expect God to act. Number two, ignore doubt. Don't cultivate doubt. See, some people sit around, they just cultivate doubt. I just don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't do it. That's cultivating doubt. Ignore it. I got doubt coming. Ignore it. Ignore it. You ever been ignored by somebody? You ever ignored somebody? Right? You go into Best Buy, like 20 guys coming at you. Are you on commission? No. Why do you act like this? <laughs> Think about it like doubt. Ignore doubt. Number three, see it coming. That is, see the answer coming. What do you want to, what are you asking God for? I just see it coming at me. It's coming. God, I'm receiving it. God's doing it. I'm going to let God just bring it all over me. Amen. All right, let me give you some life application. Here they are. Number one, angels battle darkness on your behalf. Angels battle darkness on your behalf. They're in the battle. They're doing it right now, right now. Number two, angels partner with you in the kingdom. You're in a partnership. Partnership with God, partnership with spiritual beings. You're in a partnership. I'm not all alone on this. Whenever I feel like I'm all alone, I'm going, hey, Jesus, I believe this was your assignment. 
this is your gig. You got me into this deal. When it, you know, Satan's knocking on the door, you know what you say? That's for you, Jesus. Would you answer that, please? You ever peeked out the, the window so you wanted to see who it was, then you ignored them? They're knocking on the door? Just do that. Think about it. I'm just going to peek out the window while Jesus gets the door. That's for you, Jesus. And number three, act and God will act. God never acts until you act. God never does anything until you act. He waits for you to trust him. You see, faith is in motion. People say, I'm waiting on God. And what they're doing, they're sitting around doing nothing. You ever ever had a waiter that did that? No tip. No tip. You ever get a guilty tip? Guy was really bad, but I gave him a buck anyway, right? Some of you only give a buck. Don't be looking at me like that. (laughs) Act and God will act. When you wait on God, you know what it means? Think of yourself like a waiter. God, how can I help you, God? What can I do? How can I get engaged? How are you going to be the best waiter possible, not the worst waiter sitting around? I'm just waiting on God. What are you, some Trappist monk? Get up. See what God's up to. Get in the kingdom. Let God work in your life. Amen? All right, now let's stand up. Stand up quickly. Let's see. Stand up quickly. You've used up all my time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray right now, we want to pray that you are going to just teach us how powerfully uh, we are gifted in the spirit, spiritual realm to do great exploits for you, God. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will touch every heart here today with a newfound faith, newfound power. Holy Spirit of God, would you fill us? God, would you speak through us? God, we know that we have to act to see you act. We have to move in the dimension of the spiritual realm to see the spiritual realm unfold. And so we just invite your presence and your power here in our midst today. We ask, Holy Spirit of God, come in great, great power and great joy will be found for, by every one of us. And God, we know, even though we can't see into that invisible realm, unless you give us a vision, unless you give us a dream, Unless you give us an insight into that world, God, we can't see it. But, God, we can know it. We can know it. Some of you have some things that you want to see God do in your life. We want you to pray and we want you to seek God. We want to partner with, with you in that. You need to act, too. You need to say, you know what, let me just come here to this altar all by myself if I need to. And just say, God, I'm bringing this to you today. If you want to do that, you can come. I'm going to pray members here and we'll have staff members here to pray with you if you want but just on this last song as we just close out here in about two minutes we don't have much time if you want to just come and just pray if you want to stand right where you are and just lift your hands and say God I'm committing this to you right now Jesus right now act and God will act move God will move see what God can do see what God can do let God let God grab your heart for the kingdom Are you committed to him? Just saying, here it is. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. God, take me. Use me. Fill me. Overwhelm me with a sense of your power and your presence.
God, I'm tired of religion. I want some radical Jesus in my life. I want to be radical. I want to open my mouth, speak the word of God, speak the truth of God, be filled with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. I'm tired of Church 101. I'm ready to go on to the supernatural, the kingdom of God, be in that divine flow of Almighty God. God, I thank you for this time today. I thank you for every person here. And I just I just want to right now, God, just bless everyone here in your authority and your power. May the Lord bless you today. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and good to you. May you lift up his countenance upon you. May you influence your world for Jesus Christ. May you influence your world today. Jesus Christ. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as you go.